The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome in, everybody. It's Kostaki Economopolis, and I am here to present to you All Pro Lines, the podcast. Football comedy talk, that's what we do here. Wrapping up the weekend that was in the NFL every week during the season. Um, yeah, I'm excited. My old buddy uh, Tom Simmons is here. Great comic. Uh, football fan. Falcons fan. Uh, yeah, two great games. I saw most of them. I saw one of them. In Detroit, most of it, half of it, it was pretty cool. Uh, I was in, uh, I was flying out of Detroit. It was, it was actually really. I would just uh, not to get too off track here, but I, I just got back from Michigan. I was telling jokes in Michigan for three nights, and uh, it was awesome. I, I had, I, I had a sequence of weird things happen where I had to cancel the Atlanta gig because I got sick, and then. I weirdly didn't have a New Year's gig this year, and then I had to cancel another thing with weather and some promotion issues, and I hadn't done regular old-fashioned stand-up comedy in like seven weeks, some crazy thing. So it was a pleasure, man. It was fun to just go and like that cowboy vibe of here I am. I'm the only one who could do this job in this situation in this moment, and I'm here and do the best I can. I got to get these... I got to get these cows to Oklahoma. It was fun, man. I did three nights around Michigan, different weird little, uh, weird little venues, and uh, had a great promoter, and it was awesome. I really, uh, I played some poker and won some money, and ate whatever I wanted, and slept whenever I wanted, and drove whenever I wanted, and the crowds were great and nice, and happy to be there, and happy I was there, and had a few beers and. I was just uh, stayed in some like instead of spending you know X on a shitty hotel room, I spent like X plus Y and had a, had some nice rooms for myself, and I just enjoyed it. It was fun. Got in the pool, went to the gym one day, uh, ate a bunch of crap I shouldn't have eaten, tacos, a lot of tacos on the road. Anyway, it was. Uh, it was fun. So thank you to Michigan. Michigan's one of my favorite places, I have to say. They they got beer and poker and comedy and they care about football. And if you could just move Michigan to say Florida, like somewhere around there, uh, they do have some of my favorite beers. I was kind of counting when I was there. They have Oberon, which is like before Shock Top was cool. It was like this cool, weedy, awesome beer uh they got the kbs ones the like the bourbon barrel aged stout ones like my favorite beers in the whole world those are from michigan new holland does the dragon's milk all those uh three-hearted ales and there's a bunch of microbreweries around it was it was fun i especially love the, the friday night i did presidential brewery and uh it's it funny the theme is president so they have 
cutouts and pictures of presidents drinking like all over the bar. And for whatever reason, Richard Nixon was the one who was behind me on stage. It's <laughs> so like I was going to I'm going to do a nod to Richard Nixon and uh, have just 18 minutes of random silence in the middle of my set. And you can figure out why you can later explore those things. It was just fun, man. It was it was cool. And so so anyway, so it was a joy to wander around Michigan. They're so happy about the Lions. Everywhere I went, people were talking about it and interested in my thoughts about it. And I opened every show with a long fucking chunk about the Lions and how I've been coming there for years. And no one's ever been happy about football. <laughs> just Michigan just won. It was it was it was fun. It was fun. So I'm happy for the I'm happy for the Lions fans, even though they don't they're not going on. Uh, I'm happy for them. And that was in the airport. I was literally like, I woke up in like northern Michigan, Gaylord. Got to say Gaylord. You can't say Gaylord. Either way, it sounds like a slur. Like fucking Gaylord wouldn't leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? Uh, way up in northern Michigan, it was fun. It was. Uh, had a little bit of that Alaska vibe where it's like they couldn't believe I was there and they were happy. You know what I mean? Like nobody goes there. Uh, so I had a really long drive on, uh, on Sunday. And then I got to the airport at around three, like for kickoff for the first game. And then I got on the plane like halftime of the second game. So I was there watching with the Lions fans. They were so excited. They were up by a lot at the time, so they were very happy. <laughs> I guess I was there for the right half. But uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's do some the jokes. two-minute drill. This game featured a Christian against the Lions. Upended historical precedent. Christian won. Congratulations. There's a lot of talk about Brock Purdy today. It's kind of, I'm happy for that guy. The last pick in the draft. Mr. Irrelevant is going to the Super Bowl. It's so cool. You got to give Brock Purdy his flowers. You got to give Patrick Mahomes his flowers. That's what people say. Zay Flowers, no flowers for you. You fumble at one, you get no flowers. It's a tough. It, it was such a microcosm of his career that of his one year career as a flowers, he was electric and fun to watch and explosive and scored a touchdown and got a taunting penalty and then fumbled at the one and the full range. Uh, Dan Campbell going forward on fourth down twice and failing. I know he's aggressive and he likes to gamble, Dan Campbell, but even the Bills fans were yelling for the Lions to kick the ball. You got to kick it. Campbell rhymes with gamble. This game needed a coach named Effing, as in take the effing points. Even Kayshawn Butte was like, Dan, that's too much gambling. Did you see the report? Kayshawn Booty placed 8,900 bets during his time at LSU. <laughs> What the fuck? How did you have time to even run laps? Or what? It's preposterous. Something tells me Dan Campbell was booked to go to Vegas this week either way. Now he doesn't have a pesky game to prep for. So that's good. No big deal. Typical fashion, the 
Detroit fans will shrug this off and go back to basking in the sunshine and their high income leisure activities for the rest of winter. <laughs> Lions totally fell apart. Hope there's a warranty. GM halted production at the Flint factory so employees could watch the Lions game. You know, like they would do in Japan. That's that's pretty sure Japan would do. No? No? Okay. Then to show their appreciation at halftime, the Lions shut down their offensive production. So that's nice. Kind of, they, It was kind of a nod back. I feel bad for the Ravens, too. I know how the Ravens feel. I, too, have lost some key battles at home. <laughs> we had an administrative timeout. You don't hear that phrase often. The best part was fans were booing it. They didn't even know what it was, but they just heard the word administrative. Like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> Turns out it was a drone near the stadium. Usually when you think drone on a Sunday, you think of Chris Collinsworth going on too long about something. <laughs> uh, people are waiting for that Taylor Swift heartbreak song. I want to hear the next angry Eminem album. To me, that's more fun. That poor guy. <laughs> this Lions gear flipping off the Niner fans. and uh, At least he's true to his own brand. He's true to self. If Travis lost, I was wondering if Taylor's going to leave him for Mark Andrews, you know, like Ricky Bobby's girlfriend did. Was it wife? I don't remember. Taylor Swift uh, performs in Tokyo the day before the Super Bowl, but technically she could travel back in time to see her boyfriend play. Uh, <laughs> some people want to book the flight that takes them back to before they knew they were dating. There's so much hate for Taylor Swift. I don't really get it. I, I mean, maybe because I have a 15 year old daughter and I've watched a couple, I've watched some stuff about, I watched the documentary and I've been inundated with some Taylor Swift stuff before this happened. So I sort of grew to like her makes it easier, but Jesus, two people who appear to be earnestly in love. Like well, what's, it's cool. What do you want? Now we got the Taylor Swift AI porn fans got excited. Hey, if we could see Jason Kelsey naked, if you're caught making Taylor Swift AI porn, the punishment should be watching Jason Kelsey AI porn. That should be the... Of course there's AI porn. Porn is the way that we explore all technological innovations as a culture. That's the early internet. I can still hear the dial-up sound, watching the image slowly come down line by line of a naked woman. <laughs> In that era, it was quicker to see a woman naked by courting her and asking for hand in marriage than trying to use dial-up to see VHS tapes, right? You could always tell someone's favorite part because it would be glitchy because they pause there every time. Reel-to-reel projectors. Hell, those flip, those flip book cartoons, those had porn in the very... Of course we're using AI for porn. Is anyone surprised? No one. All right. Tyreek Hill got married during the bye week and he's just now filed for divorce. <laughs> Technically a divorce counts as a bye week, right? <laughs> Tyreek, no one is better at creating separation. He's the cheetah. That's how hard marriage is, everybody. He was married for 2 months. He spent 1 week with her in the off season. It was like, fuck it, I'm out. I can't do it. This is too hard. <laughs> 
Now he's claiming that it was a mistake and his boneheaded staffer, lawyer filed the thing. It wasn't supposed to. Someone wrote the thing. I This is fishy as hell. I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens. Tyreek Hill's a little bit of a sketchy character. I don't, uh, I don't believe in Vegas, there's some buzz. They're painting Chiefs in the end zone. Like, oh, they hate that, right? They're painting over the Raiders. The Raiders should be used to having the Chiefs in their end zone. <laughs> All right. Let's do some announcements here. Let's, uh, I always forget the announcements. I'm on the road. I'm doing, I'm back to the road again. I'm doing, I'm doing some road stuff. Hastings doing a big Valentine's Day show, their big thing in Hastings, Nebraska. It's uh, the day, the night before the Super Bowl. So I got to do this. I got to go tell, tell jokes, two shows. It's going to be this crazy packed out giant 500 person thing. We're going to do it twice. And then, um, then I'm flying back on Sunday day. Hopefully there's no airplane glitches and I'll get back here just in time for a kickoff and I'll be uh, live tweeting and writing memes and jokes all day long. The last, last day of the season, a couple weeks, it'll be fun. Uh, I'm doing Huntington, West Virginia, Evansville, Indiana. Those are so new. I'm literally still putting them together. I just put the ticket links together. I haven't even posted online. That'll be soon. Go to Kostaki.com for all the details. Bet, our friends at BetMGM, they got this great promotion. You know how affiliate programs work. If you use our code, then they give us a few bucks that we sent them your way. It costs you nothing. It's a way to thank the podcast. We don't charge you for this, so... Use our links for stuff. That's all we ask. BetMGM has a great promotion. If you're going to do it anyway, use the All Pro Lines link. Then you get this great offer. You bet five bucks, and they give you, I think it's $156 in free bets. It's some kind of a initiation thank you situation. Our links are at all the All Pro Lines uh, link tree. All the social media pages have that link. Um, all right. You know the thing. We got we got our friend Tom here. Let's Let's talk to Tom. You know him, you love him. Comedian Tom Simmons. Follow him all the platforms. Uh, there he is. Tom Simmons, everybody. Hey, man. Hey, buddy. Hey. How's Portland? It's, you went to Portland this weekend, right? Uh, outside of Portland in, uh, in uh, Lincoln. Like, I guess it's like it was, I went to um, Chinook Winds Casino. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Flew into Portland and drove over there and had good shows. It was good times. That's cool. I, yeah, it's been it's, a while. It's, it's peaceful. It's peaceful, it's beautiful and gloomy. All I've never really had that. Like it's beautiful and gloomy at all times. It's oh, a that's a combination yeah. of things, you know? Oh, it's always like misting. It's kind of Seattle rain all the time, you mean, kind of it, thing? It was just overcast and rainy and a little cold. Like each time I've been there, it's been like that. And it wasn't necessarily Portland. It was on the coast where I was. And it was like there's a beach out my back window, but it, you walk outside and you're like, ick, this is beautiful. It's kind of a weird mix. Oh, you were on the coast of Oregon? I guess. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's, that's where hard the ocean to get is. to, right? You got to drive like this, like two hours west yeah. of the highway, right? Yeah. Some back roads. It was actually pretty, pretty simple driving. It wasn't that bad. There's, it was fine. I've was never fine. been there. I, I've been along the coast of Northern California and then Washington, but there's this weird stretch in Oregon where it's like, there's no population base over there. It's yeah. Cool. There's a, <laughs> yes. It's cool. There's a gig. Yeah, so it was packed. It's two two like sold out shows, like a big room. It was fun. It was a fun show. Well, yeah. well, I don't the only downside I... is you got to do. So you're not allowed to curse, and but you know, what I mean, there's some trade offs. Right. So it's like you, you lose a lot of fun stuff you want to do. But I, I I figured it out. It's fun. 
Well, you've been working that muscle for years with the ships and the. There's a lot of weird restrictions with the ships, right? You got this yeah, show. You gotta, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. Right. So, what you think of the football? Are you happy with the outcomes? Yeah, man, it was good. It was, it was uh, yeah. I, I I watched. I was like you. I was traveling, so I watched like what was the one I was like one game was going on, and I was sort of trying. I was writing about the game to come, and then I watched sort of the end of the first game, and and then the first half of the second game, and then I recorded the watched it. What it was a totally different game. Like I went away, watched the thing with with Serena, and then went back to it, and it was like I watched the collapse. Oh my goodness. I was on the plane for that. So I had like the ESPN game cast, you know, it shows you like hmm, four yard catch to the left. And then it was like, Oh no, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. I did some of that too. It's so hard to get excited about watching football when you're watching it. Like, like that, <laughs> yeah. like it, they're telling you the words every now and then, like, like right. three yard catch to Kelsey. Ooh, penalty. Touchdown. Yeah. Call I back. Know. Like something. I, it's yeah. useful for, in that situation. It's very handy to go to like football Twitter and get like the vibe of the hardcore football world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not on Twitter, so I just I, whatever. I just I don't know. I'm not as I'm not as uh, uh, I'm not as drawn into it all. Like I'm not as I'm not as committed to to football somehow because it's not my team. So it's you know it's like yeah. baseball season once the Braves are out. It's actually football's better than baseball at that. Baseball, I just once my team's done, it's I hardly watch. I hardly watch at all. Oh, that's interesting. And football, I, I kind of, I stay interested enough to play because I just, the plays are so cool, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Something that struck me yesterday was I, I realized in how, how many Super Bowls Mahomes is in and how he's going to get to an era where he can start to challenge some of these records. And isn't it interesting how, at least me, I feel like we root for Mahomes. Like yeah, we I like do. Mahomes, but how's he different than Brady? When Brady was winning, usually when a guy's winning, we're like, you know, screw that guy. He's got enough. Right, with right. Mahomes were like, we want him to win more. I wonder why that is. That's a great question. That's exactly why I started to hate Brady. It wasn't about him personally. It was about, the, yeah, it was like, enough with you. Right. Yeah. But, but you don't have that at all with Mahomes. But I, I think there's some things about Brady that make him a little easier to hate. First of all, there was a cheating thing that was probably definitely they definitely cheated with the inflation ball thing. That was that. And Belichick is unlikable and their division was so weak. It just felt like they just had the easiest fucking path. They had six wins guaranteed every year. And then they just had to beat like the Jaguars to get to the Super Bowl. I was just like, fuck this team. I hated how it seemed so easy for them somehow. Um, and Mahomes is likable. He like married like his high school sweetheart. And he, there's all these stories of charities and, you know, like he's in a little pizza joint and he very, nobody bothers him because that's the cool thing to do. And then after he's gone, the room finds out that he paid the bill for everyone in the restaurant. You know, like he's like this yeah. weirdly likable dude. I think it makes it easier to root for him. I don't know. Once you do that once, do you have to do it all the time? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. Do you let, the, once you let the cat out of the bag, is it's on me? It's like, I, I can't go out. I remember I worked with Lewis Black. Like he had just become like super famous and successful. And uh, we all went out with the staff after the show. And we had, you know, people had appetizers. And it was like drinks for like 12 people. And he like quietly grabbed the bill. And I go, really? He goes, yeah, you have to. 
because yeah. at some point you have to. <laughs> it's like, all right, thanks, man. That guy's very, that guy's always been very straightforward to, I have a thing that stuck with me about him with him talking to me about, he was so humble about, like it was right around then I was working with him at Charlie Goodnights and he had that sort of, yeah, well, it's just because of this thing, you know, like, <laughs> once I figured out, then now it's all, you know, and, and it's so like, dude, you have so many great jokes. Ah, it's really about the emotion. And then. <laughs> And he said, and his, I don't know how, what, what context was, but he was like, success comes when you're, uh, as soon as you need a nap. Yeah. 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 It was, I think the quote was, uh, when you finally make it, all you really want is a nap. <laughs> yeah. I remember he said that to me in conversation. So that was interesting. And then he has another thing that you worked with him, right? And you were very frustrated by, cause you're a words guy. You're about finding the exact words oh, for yeah. a joke. And then, right, he would do a joke one night and then the next night not tell the same punchline. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing, Lewis? Yeah, right. I think about him all the time. It actually helped loosen me up because I, I like that. Because he, if he's to me, he's the other end of the spectrum from Seinfeld. Like Seinfeld, like he, if he turns his head a different way, the joke doesn't work as well. So he always does it exactly the same, the best possible way. That's the Seinfeld science, right? Lewis is the opposite. He he wants to be in the moment, and so he lets himself ramble, and he doesn't care exactly about the punchlines and the perfect way to do it. He wants to be alive in the moment, and he gives up the perfect way to do it in order to just be more conversational. And so Crazy. it's it's Crazy. really interesting, right? That he's can do that so well that you yeah, literally you would watch like. Oh, he really didn't even do the punchline this time on that chunk. <laughs> you know, like he would just ramble around. But it also allows him to learn to find other beats that you wouldn't find if you were doing the Seinfeld model, right? Right. And it definitely it's weird to just sacrifice the laugh for that. You know what I mean? Or I and I always took that as it was it wasn't about the words, it was about capturing capturing the emotion. That's what I took from a third party from you telling me that was that it was like you'll find the right word. It's about the emotion. And if you can get that emotion across and that energy is what creates the laugh. And I, I don't well, know if I necessarily note. agree with, yeah, I definitely don't I know do if I necessarily like agree that. with that, but yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, a lot. Mine's more about trying to generate the emotion for that word that I use that works. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. You're, you're building a tension that you're releasing and you're trying to get all that part. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, and the other one who does that a lot too is, um, Bill Burr, Bill Bill Burr does the writing on stage, wandering. He'll have a premise, and he lets himself like just fucking rant and ramble around until he kind of finds it on stage. So he's he's really interesting to watch, like in a small club, because he's working on stuff, and it's sometimes not very good yet. You know, he's just fucking lets it be what it is. You know. Yeah, he was one of the first comics that. You know, when I'm when you're a young comic out working and you know, you just feel like I sh you should be headlining all the time. You know, he was one of those first comics that really, really blew me away with, like, oh, fuck. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it's some like of the, being yeah, a pitcher and being able to get everybody out every time, and then all of a sudden there's a hitter that just like it just makes you look stupid. Like, that's how I felt working with him, right? Right, yeah. And I also I've... had a thing, I had a thing happen with him 
that relates back to you in a weird way. Oh, what was that? Like the way we used to write, you know, like and our sort of rule of like you bring up the premise and sort of whoever brings up that premise, those the whatever comes from that goes in the pile of ideas oh, right. that you're working on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We would write and hang out for hours and it'd be like, oh, whose premise is that? It's like who kind of brought that up and got us to there, you know? Other people didn't know that that was our pile. <laughs> so I had a thing with him in the in a in a condo. It's like it still kind of haunts me, you know, where I I was nervous enough around him that I didn't want to tell him that I was working on bits with him. So I was like, I we're talking, and I water back into my room, and I'm kind of looking at my note, and then I I was working on this idea about specifically Dennis Miller and how he used to be like Bill Maher and how he's a sellout and like, you know, and I was, I was sort of talking about a guy I just worked with that I was sort of envious of that was working on shark week. And I was having this sort of your sellouts and you should be doing comedy, you know? And so I'm sort of pitching this premise around to him. And then he said some really funny shit about Dennis Miller sitting on a, yeah. Once he started sitting on the couch with M&Ms, it was over for him. You know what I mean? Like that kind of line. Huh. And, and so he said a couple things and I jotted him down in that, Thing I was working on, and then I tried that pre- that that premise at an open mic in Long Island, and then I get a call in my basement on my half working cell phone that's in and out of thing. And <laughs> I thought we had a connection, Simmons. You're up there stealing me. You did the exact thing about that. I'm like, I ah, know it was the thing I was working, and I was just I didn't I couldn't maneuver around how to talk to him about it. My phone's clicking in and out, and I just and I was such a like like insecure dude already. I just didn't want to argue with him about it, and. And then that was it. I've never talked to him again since. Such a oh, wow. That thing. sucks. Uh, yeah. That, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's definitely the premise that we had. And we would, like, you know, throw something out, and then we would both work on it for a long time in some cases. Right. And whatever was under that umbrella was like, well, that was a Simmons premise. So, yeah. Yeah. Unless it was like, you know, we you, we, you, you kind of know when you're doing it. Like, ah, oh, no, that's that's a totally different vibe for you, you know, like that's your thing now. Right. But that's also but, because we're buddies, you know, like you maybe doesn't apply to a stranger. In a, you worked with them in a condo. How long ago was that? Where the it was fuck? a long, long time ago. It was like, you know, like, I, cause I was living in New York in a basement with, or in a basement apartment with Serena. So it was, I guess that's before I was even married. So late nineties, probably. Oh my goodness. Cause I remember talking to him about a couple other comics that I thought were great and he just didn't think they were great. And then he was like, Oh yeah, that redeems you. And then I brought up, I had recently seen Patrice O'Neill and I, he was like, I'd seen him on the, um, on Letterman and I was just blown away by how good he was. And I was like, this guy, Patrice, well, I don't remember his name. And he was like, that's my roommate. And we had this connect cause he was, you could see he had that <laughs> excitement about like his buddy, like some comic in the middle of nowhere really love what he did you know and oh wow and that was that was kind of cool yeah he was good he was a good comic yeah i, I had was... a couple of those i yeah i i worked with mark Marin in indianapolis when he was pretty much unknown he was doing conan like a couple times a year for several years but no one really knew who he was he wasn't really selling tickets on purpose right uh, uh but he was like he was fucking good, man. And he, uh, you know, he was doing smart stuff to crowds that weren't, didn't come to see him on purpose and weren't particularly smart. And he was, or agreeing with him. Yeah. And he was still pulling it off. There was a real art to what he was doing. It was impressive to behold. I, I felt like I sort of connected with him a little bit then. Um, 
And then, of course, you know, you work with some really big shots in the old days at places like Charlie Goodnights and the DC Improv and the Atlanta Punchline. I mean, every week they were bringing in Brian Regan and fucking, you know, all the best. It was hilarious. Like once you started headlining where you were middling for those guys in like a, I'm middling for Lewis Black. I'm you're middling for uh, uh, whoever, you know, at the DC Improv or or Punchline or like you just said, all three of those are perfect examples of like middling for being like, man, I got to be headline. This is the greatest club. And then they finally give you that week where you headline in a yeah. summer week, you know what I mean? Because yeah, right. and then you go in and it's just a club that's half full. <laughs> it's you. Oh, it's, it's a, yeah, yeah. A different, it's no a shockingly sh- different feel. Yeah, yeah. No one's paying to see Anthony Clark here this week or <laughs> yes. Jim Gaffigan I worked with in DC. Yeah. yeah. I remember talking to you about that. You called me about him and we're like, they really want me to do everything clean. And I remember just being like having that sort of testosterone young comic, like, fuck, you do what you do. It's his job to follow you. I just had no. <laughs> yeah. I still am torn I about like... that. I mean, I, <clears throat> for someone who's as clean as Gaffigan, I think you clean it up yeah, a little. You're right. Uh, you're right. But I, I totally understand the other side of like, look, this is a mosaic. This is a quilt. I'm going to do the best me thing and you do your best you thing. And this is going to be a good show. But yeah, if you're talking about Regan or Gaffigan, it's like, all right, take it easy. You know. <laughs> I was trying to tell someone your story about the the woman you worked with. I don't know if you want to say her name, but that. Uh, no, I don't mind saying uh, her name. She was one of the we, only monsters ever met in all of stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> what is her name? Oh, Diane Ford. Oh, what a monster! What an asshole! <laughs> you won't even drive Ford cars now. So <laughs> yeah, so quick. I'll tell this story. Um, <laughs> I'm working the Charlotte Comedy Zone, which is what at the time was a really big deal for us. That was a good room, right? You go work the still big pretty club, good room, man. It's big really city, room, yeah, man. absolutely. I haven't been there in years. I would love to go work that room. Uh, so I'm the MC. I go in, you know, I chat with the middle for a little bit, kind of hanging around the first night. You get a little jittery, and you're kind of looking around like, "Ooh, this, you know, new room," and Diane Ford is headlining. She walks over. She doesn't say hello. She said, it, bring me on this way. Don't do this. Do this. Don't say fuck. Don't cuss. But do nothing. Sex. And I go, hi, I'm Kostaki. Yeah. <laughs> didn't enjoy that joke at all. Like immediately off on the wrong foot. Uh, I she She has this whole thing about what you can't do in front of her which is always like a red flag of this is not a fucking good comic i recognize that now but that's not, i didn't know that yet uh huh. i wouldn't it, i would have never put it that way but i guess you got me thinking like i think you might have, be right about that have you ever heard a good comic tell you what not to do in front of you <laughs> no i just had an incident this week where i there was a guy in front of me and it was like two things and i was like uh that kind of steps on and i just was like all right well do do other stuff tom Right. That's right. That's because that's what a good comic does. Like, it's my job. I got this. It's fine. You don't want to be a fucking pain in the ass for the middle act. And right. And, and she literally says cunt in the first 90 seconds of her show. And so then I'm like, oh, come on. Are you, what are you just? Uh. It's not so like I it's did, Mary Ellen Hooper, right? She's right. not super clean. She's up there. Yeah, you know. So I I had some bit at the time I was doing about laser vaginal rejuvenation. Remember that? It's been a. Fr- I mean, 
it's very adult, but there's no language in it. I don't say fuck or any of the, you know, I probably could have done it on Conan. And that's what, in my head, that was the measure of like, ah, it's fine. So she complained about that to the staff, not to me. Like she wanted to try to get me fired from the show. And the staff had worked with her before. They knew she was a pain in the ass. And I was pretty new to them, but they backed me instead of her. They were like, no, no, he's fine. So then I would introduce her and I literally would walk off the stage the other direction. Like I gave her a nice intro, but I didn't shake her hand anymore. Like she tried to get me fired from the show. She was bitchy to me the whole time. I would introduce her and walk off the other way. And then she would come on stage. So, but one of the, uh, one of the nights I ended up driving her back to the hotel and we're in the car and we're having a conversation about it. And I was kind of a, I was an earnest, thoughtful, newish comic. And I literally thought we were going to have the conversation that you and I just referenced. Like, is it the job of the opening acts to support the headliner or is it the job to do the best you and you all kind of, Everyone does their own thing, and that's the best way. I thought we were going to have, like, an actual thoughtful conversation. People don't do that. Have you not? It's like, do you remember when you were younger and you thought that? You're like, oh, you'll just have a thoughtful conversation with people. I thought that. I've always thought that. (laughs) I've always thought. I remember thinking that I could turn around a racist just by having the conversation. Right. I still think that. I still... I just did it with the whole Aaron Rodgers conspiracy situation. I was like, no, that's not true. I thought, oh, we'll just talk this through. (laughs) So we're driving back to the hotel. And she's kind of got like bitchy about it quickly, like was telling me how it how it is. And I shouldn't do this. I should. and, And I just turned. I go, it's not like you're Brian Regan up there. And she goes, stop the car. And she got out of the car and, and walked the rest of the way to the hotel. Really? <laughs> and I drove along next to her with the window down. I was like, come <laughs> on, just get back in the car. I thought we were just going to have a conversation about the right way to. It wasn't that far, but she like made this point and that was it. I never talked to her again. Uh, okay. Wow. That's so <laughs> fun. She got out and walked on both of her wrong feet. Um, <laughs> the. You, uh, I thought, see, I had a different remembrance of that story. Like that's a, I I didn't remember her getting out of the car. I, I remember it as somehow in my head, it's, I remind, I'm remembering it as she comes up to you and yells at you about it. I told you not to da, 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 da. And you were like, does that step on your stinky pussy joke? Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> no, that's I what I thought. I, I didn't go that far, <laughs> but it was like, I did call her on it. Cause she was, you know, preaching about how, when you're the opener, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. It's like that. Uh... It's She's kind of right. I mean, what? not totally, but I think you know, as an opener, you gotta, you do have to, you do have, especially if you're the opener, opener, you gotta. It has it dep- the show I literally think, has nothing to do with you. I think it depends on the situation. I didn't know her from Adam. She doesn't get to show up in my life and tell me what to do creatively. She didn't book me on the show. She wasn't even fucking polite to me as a human being. I don't give a fuck what she thinks. I just wanted to get rebooked at the club. <laughs> But I hear you. I understand. Like, if you're all right, I had this conversation with Ted Alexandra because he like goes on tour a lot with Gaffigan. And Ted, in his regular act, is political and absolutely will use language sometimes. And oh, he's a great example. Then. So he totally shifts gears and does an opening set that fits for the Gaffigan warm up spot. That's just a professional decision that he makes. 
doesn't mean for him it doesn't mean that he's giving up on some artistic integrity he's doing it for this situation and he's fine with that it's a friend of his they like working together you know it's fine so that i agree with that and it's such a good like i feel that way about the shit it's like such an example of like shifting your gear and just making sure you're good in every situation you are and then he's getting even stronger at Cause I'm sure he continues to write, but he just then writes in that vein a little bit. Right. But that's, he's but, just decreasing that muscle and that's right. And that, right. And know? he's, and then it's, he, that expands. Now he can do corporates. He could do the blah, blah, He could do this. And he can still go to a late spot at the cellar and just kill with right. the, whatever he, yeah. But to me, the big difference is, first of all, they're friends and they get it and they're both smart, like thoughtful people. And, and, and they kind of know going into the thing that that's what the thing is. That's the agreement going into the thing it's different than when some crabby bitter you know hypocritical headliner comes over and doesn't even fucking say hi to you that's a different situation you know i didn't book this to work with you i just i didn't know what was happening here no one no one told me you were going to be an asshole to me before i even started (laughs) yeah can you imagine being being on a level where you're like yeah this is my opener Ted Alexandro, one of the best comics of a generation. Oh, I know. Like, he's my, he's the know. guy that you're not here to see. You know who does that all the time now is, um, what's his name? The uh, the big comic out of Canada. Sure. Russell uh, Peters? Russell Peters. Russell Peters books all of his heroes. He takes Jake Johansson and Jimmy Schubert and like the, all of his favorite comics from when he was growing up. And I talked to Jake about it. I was like, but you, but like, on the merit basis, he can't follow you. And Jake's like, no, 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 no. These people, they've been coming to see him every couple of years for a decade and a half. This is like a cultural event. They plan it for months. They bring their whole family. He goes, I can't put a dent in anything he's doing. I'm just, I do my thing. And then it's like this crazy explosive other thing that happens after that. Right, right. And that's cool too. Right? To be able to like just book your the people that you'll, you know. That's what I went to see. uh, What's his name? Uh, Weird Al. Weird Al brings emo because that was one of his early comedy heroes and buddies. He can't follow emo. Emo's a crazy genius. (laughs) But I used to say he was my favorite comic to read until I saw him live. (laughs) Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he really caught it. Really, he was another one that really humbled me that when I saw him live, like as opposed to what I thought. You know, Wendy Lieben was like that. You know what I mean? Like those kind of people that I'm like, oh, I couldn't take that for more than five minutes with the thing. And then you watch and you're like, wow, every joke is just so precise and great. Right. You can watch an hour of Wendy Lieben. I never saw her for a long set. I didn't I didn't think I would. I worked with her in Vegas. She was only doing 35, but I I would I watched every show and I was just like, wow, wow that's not a wasted word, man. Not right. one wasted word. It's. It went from like thinking that like I can't for more than five to just like that's cool. She, I'm happy to she hear that. Really, really good. Really good. That's great. All right, let's do. Uh, we got off on a, quite a long comedy. Tape. Yeah, sorry. This is football, man. For no, sorry, I know. Man. It's yeah. good. Well, it's comedy football talk. So yeah. it's in the. It's you're doing. You know what? You're doing it line. too. You're doing the thing about like ah, oh, everybody's mad at Taylor Swift. I, I, I see more people posting and saying that and. I don't see anyone, Matt. Am I just in a wrong section of where I live in the world? I, 
I don't see anyone complaining about Taylor Swift. Like, I'm very, I'm very much in the football comedy universe with Twitter and Facebook, and a lot of the other like football pages will post anti Taylor Swift memes, and they get a lot of likes and shares. Well, that's why they do it. Then it's not. It's because it's right. But there is a really sen- mad. There is a subculture that is annoyed by this situation. That it's like, eh, I'm watching football. I don't care about some pop star. I've never. You do. You, you love when they show Eminem. You love when they show Matt McConaughey yeah, on the sideline in Texas. They all do. Like, this is what we do. This is about stars. Like, shut up. It's not I, like, they, it's not I'm like with they're you. cutting to hurt. You, you're not. The, the worst part is the commercials every fucking three minutes. Or let me, you know. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> the, the patriot jingoism I could do without some of that too. <laughs> yes. We see four, we see four less Patrick Mahomes commercials. Holy shit! You know what I'm saying? At least, yeah. at least she's not in every commercial for an insurance company. <laughs> Shut up. I'm with you. I agree. All right, let's do. Uh, Let's do one of these things we do. I'm, I'm going to do a weird one. I'm going to, I'm going to give kudos to the losing team. I like the lions. I like their coach. He's got a weird combination of things where he's gritty and, Bite the kneecaps, and he's like an old school player. And he was on the 0 16 team for the Lions, and he cries and he cares about shit, and he's thoughtful and primal. He's the perfect match for that city and that scene. And he's such a salve for the 40 years of fucking terribleness. And they're going to be in the conversation for the division going forward, and good for them. I'm happy for him. It's cool. Yeah. I like Michigan too. It's a cool state. Yeah, I heard you saying that. It's good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's cold. I got lucky. It was there was there were dry streets and no snow and fucking the end of January in northern Michigan. But uh, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, it's a good comedy state too. That and Ohio are both good comedy states. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm giving it up to uh, conspiracy people because by the end of the first game, they'd already flipped it. My, I'm sitting there with my wife, and she actually says, "When the when the." Chiefs won. She's like, ah, this is like they're saying. I'm like, no, 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 no. They're saying it's purple because that's it. She's like, yes. And then they saw that and they switched it. Uh huh. That's the proof. Like, you what? How do you make every, no matter what happens, it's the proof of your conspiracy? Right. You know what I'm saying? That it, makes me doubt my 9 11 theories. That's, you know what <laughs> <laughs> that's what's great about conspiracies because if they seem to not be true, then you just go, oh, the deep state covered it up. You're always, you always have it out. <laughs> there's no purple in the super bowl you jackasses i'm so i'm so relieved that there was actually a waitress at the detroit bar who said that i wasn't even talking to her she was saying it to somebody else she was like i just want the ravens to lose so the conspiracy people shut up <laughs> like wow no it, that's what i mean it actually get <laughs> my wife is the same it did it, somehow she's picked up on this she's not even really a football fan but, you i know, know. I mean, it's weird how it led into the whole world but to her, it, it was like that was the proof that it was that they flipped the script. Like, oh, they it's did funny. that to set you up because what they really care about is the Taylor Swift uh, ratings and Mahomes and the <sighs> dynasty and the advertising revenue. Right. But it does. It, it 
I wonder if it changed. I wonder if it did end up changing betting lines. Like people are like, oh, there's proof because the last two and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, That's and then you could question. get wrapped up in it. I don't know how you measure that, but I would love to know that. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And the betting lines. I mean, are look at this. Look at this color behind me. This is proof that I knew they were going to lose. <laughs> I'm wearing red because I knew it was going to be an all red Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> The betting line is interesting. Last night after the games, Niners by two and a half. And this morning it was down to minus one, which I agree. Like, how do you bet against Patrick Mahomes at this point? You're going to make Patrick Mahomes the underdog? Are you fucking crazy? I I agree that that line should move. Doesn't it move depending on how the betting goes? Because it's not really about they're making a prediction. They're They're setting the betting line at where the math works. So it's as both. the math changes, they, they have to, they set the line where they think it is and then they'll shift it a little so that it's not too much on one side, but they can't go too far because then the sharps will come in and bet what the truth is. If they stray from, you know what I mean? Right. So they're kind of, they have this delicate dance where they have to be careful to keep it close to what they think it really is and fade it a smidge towards the betting. How, as far as predicting the future goes, how, is there any sort of math or, 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 or studies on like how much better, like where was the time where the sports betters or the bookies really got precise in their nailing of the things or even, or even are they right now? And once they started really using the math and the algorithms, did it change how they, how they did and I don't think better so. they got at their predictions? I mean, when I worked in, in, 1990 summer of 1990 i worked in england at ladbrokes which is like an off-track betting shop in england it's huge every corner has a place where you can go in and bet on horses and dogs and soccer and whatever and the baker from next door goes in there every day and makes a bet it's a big part of this culture in england and they had we we i was used to paramutual betting you go watch high lie and there's a computer that figures it all out and moves it around based on who's betting on Julio versus Juan in the game. And but those guys are allowed to bet on their own sport, which is crazy. Anyway, go ahead with your story. Yeah, that sport's corrupt as hell. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but in England, they did it the old-fashioned way. They didn't use computers. They would just give you a number. There was a guy in an office that would come up with eight to one on this dog. And you could call them and go uh, – I want odds on the president talking about aliens this month and they will come up with a number for you. They will, be, you can bet on anything, but it wasn't done by computers. It was done by hand. I, as long as you have a, a VIG, as long as there's a cushion, if, if the, if the house is getting, I don't know what the number is, just to just keep it simple, 10% of all the bets, then as long as you aren't wrong by much at all, you're always going to win. That's all you have to do is kind of be close and long run. You're going to always win. Now is it the same line at MGM that it is at some what it's another casino's thing? Are they you know what I mean? Or do you call around and find the numbers that you like? Or the is hardcore there like an overall go, number? They'll go shopping. They'll find like they they have a number in their head and they go shopping and bet based on what the choices are there. <clears throat> Most of them are pretty close, and of course, I'm sure that some of the giants run the run the sentiment for the little guys. You know what I mean? But no, they're not always the same. And in fact, the dream betting situation is to figure it out so there's enough of a line that you can bet where you can't lose. You know what I mean? You bet some here and some here. And if if this happens, that, you know, but that's that's very rare. 
you have to own a casino to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's and you yeah. still have to. It's the same thing with like with like playing professional poker. You're not you're betting you're playing against the other players, but really you have to crush the other players so that you can beat the cut that goes to the house. It's the same thing at sports betting. You have to really kill it to make a profit because they're paying a vig to the house to to engage with it. It's do you, almost, do you bet on do you bet on sports? I bet I make tiny bets like on I, I use BetMGM and day, you know DraftKings and fantasy you know underdog fantasy those are a couple of our sponsors those i like to bet tiny so that i have something going on if the game's out of hand or if it's a game i don't give a shit about that's a i like to bet on island games where there's just the one game because then you're watching you're rooting for whatever zay flowers to get over 87 yards it's kind of fun to root for do you bet on your can you bet on your fantasy players yeah yeah for sure and like 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 they have lines based on the fantasy lines, like how many points you'll, each team will, your fantasy guy will score and stuff like that. Yes, that's basically what Underdog does. You can you go and you because you're a fan of Zay Flowers, so you're like, I want to do the over on Zay Flowers, and I'm going to do the under on Lamar Jackson rushing yards, and then you kind of have a thing you're rooting for during the game. It's fun as long as for me, my taste is you bet small so that you care, but not a lot. Because if you care a lot. Then when Zay Flowers fumbles at the one, you're fucking furious. Right. You know what I mean? Could you bet on, let's say you have a, a game, you're in your fantasy league, your team is playing Andreas's team. Could could the algorithm figure out like, and and you place a bet on your team against his team? Like, like you know what I mean? Can you kind of do that kind of stuff? I haven't like done that, but I think you that? can do that. I think, okay. I think Sleeper probably has some version of that. And maybe Yahoo yeah. has a version of that. Yeah, I think you can do that. And that's part of the, how those places are making money. Most of the fantasy sites don't charge you to have their have your league on their site. They want you there to get eyeballs on things. And, of course, in the last few years, the main thing they're pushing you towards is sports betting. So, yeah, I just was wondering if I could, if you could bet on your own team versus betting on the New York Giants that week. Like you're betting on your team in, in some sort of fantasy league. Well, what's anyway. fun, in my opinion, the fun thing is to is to put together a team on like on like, like a DraftKings kind of site in a tournament because then you're betting against thousands of people, and if your team has like some lottery winning crazy combination of things where everything hits, then you can win a lot of money. It's like this, it's more of a lottery ticket kind of bet than a it's a long shot kind of bet as opposed to a you know two to one or whatever. Um. Okay. So you're gonna use any of the jokes I wrote yesterday last week? And I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have any for the second game, but yeah, I used, I, I did a couple today. I think I got to do some more work on the jokes. I was traveling all night, and the stuff you did at the end, I liked. I think it, I was thinking that when you were doing it, you should move some of that closer to the top of the segment, like when okay. you're calling in. That stuff you did at the end today. And I still want to open with Tyreek Hill divorce. It doesn't feel like a top story. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Uh, no, it's not, but it is a funny, you know, funny situation. All right, let's do a couple more quick segments, and I got to run. Uh, we've been. It's always nice to have a have a good friend on talk, and we fucking know what time it is. Uh, yeah, every time I finish time. these with you, I'm like, we should have done football. Comes first. Oh yes, it's time for which comes first. Now tell me, will <clears throat> this happen before that happens? It's time for which comes first. Which gets resolved first, Tom Simmons, the Falcons quarterback situation, 
or the Justin Fields situation in Chicago. Just to remind you, they have the number one overall pick and the presumption that'll get, I think that'll get solved first. They'll get solved first. They'll figure it out. They'll trade them away. Or, or you could go choice C, and that's the same resolution at the same moment. They could trade them to the Falcons, which I would be I would be happy about actually. Yeah, I think I'll pick that. I, I think they figure out theirs first. They figure it out. They trade Justin to somewhere, and they get a second round pick, conditional, turn it into a first, and then they go yeah. get their stud and reset the clock and go on about their lives without him. I hope I'm wrong, but this, that this, this, this coach doesn't excite me at all. Our coach. Yeah. Me neither. He's already coached. He wasn't a standout as a defensive coordinator. And then they made him the interim coach and then they let him go. Like that's not a success. And then he went, didn't he go coach for the Buccaneers or something too? Or something? He He was was the Buccaneers head coach. Like before that, during a rebuild and like, didn't really, you know, didn't nail it. But the insiders, like all of the talking head types, Pat McAfee and Adam Schefter and Ryan on ESPN and uh, the fucking quarterback. It was weird how everybody loves Raheem Morris and is excited about him getting this opportunity. So I don't know. Maybe they know more than we do, and he just keeps having these they tough do. situations. They, oh, they definitely do. But I mean – I'm just I'm I'm frustrated that there's not been a pattern of success and we keep you know I don't I kind of want a new thing. I don't want a retread situation sort of broadly. I don't want it in quarterback either. I want an I want a new thing or at least a thing with a high fucking upside. <clears throat> Which is why I would have been fine with Belichick even though I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, the, what I I read a couple stories and one of them was like that people don't understand the Falcons organization is different than every other organization and like we Hit, hit the, the effect that he would have of the control he wants. It's more than just a football team. Like if the football team is a part of a bigger thing, which is that stadium and the events in the stadium and running like the soccer team and this thing and blah, blah, blah. But Hey, that's, that's, that may be part of the problem, right? I know the football team is just a thing in your portfolio. Then you don't really care about it as much. So does Arthur blank not own the team? Is he, I don't understand. No, he does, but he, he's trying to see big picture all these other things that are related. But really, I mean, a fucking Super Bowl winning team would make everything better. You have to take the swing at that. You know, all the jersey sales and the stadium tickets and the vending and everything would be through the roof if you had a winning team. Yeah, but I'm a little bit with the, with them on that and like, you know what? I'm not turning all that shit over to a 71-year-old. I don't want a 71-year-old running my country. I don't want him running my football team. You know, I'm, I'm fine if you could. I'm yes, fine coach, with that argument. But if I don't want you running my whole organization. You just proved you couldn't do it in the best organization of football. I agree with you. I agree that that's true. <clears throat> just to play devil's advocate, though, I kept having this thought. Like, why are we trying so hard to defend this perfect business setup that has led the Falcons to fucking nothing good. I'm not defending it. Why, why, why are we like, well, we can't have them come in here and fuck up this perfect machine that we've built. <laughs> Imagine the balls, the greatest coach of all time. Like we can't have him coming in here demanding that things go his way. We're the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Look at all those. No, there's no banners. Sorry. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. 
All right. I but I I think I agree with you, but it's close. I get the both sides of it. All right. I hope he's great. I hope he's a great coach. I hope he's everybody's is he's as good as everybody that's as excited about him is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the 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 talking the the experts seem to really love him. So we'll see. All right. Let's do one quick thing here. All right. All right, kids. Put your thinking caps on. It's quiz time. I just thought this was a quick, fun question. I didn't know the answer when I saw the headline. McCaffrey this weekend broke a Jerry Rice record held since 1987. What was it? It's not touchdowns, right? Is it? Um, (laughs) I'm going to go touchdowns. That's correct. Touchdowns in a season counting the playoffs. Jerry Rice had the most in 49ers history at 23, and McCaffrey just passed it yesterday, and now it's at 24. Rice had. How a was that not your right. first guess? How was that not your first guess of the? I just like, assumed it was something with with the playoff game. I thought it was going to be like total yardage in a playoff game or something. That's what I thought it was going to be. I figured. I did. I just thought touchdowns for a season would have been. Somebody else would have broken that by now. Terrell Owens or somebody. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Frank Gore, he was on my son. Somebody. He was on my son's fantasy team this year, so he was just—he was a monster. <laughs> uh, Jerry Rice, of course, had several of the other records of this ilk too. He had twenty-two touchdowns in '89 and nineteen and ninety-four. Jerry Rice must have there must be sixty-five records that he holds still. Must be kind of. Is it? Do those guys get annoyed when their records sort of get sort of ticked off, like when they get broken? Are they a little bit like, right. "Oh man"? <laughs> I'm sure they do get a little. I wouldn't you get a little like? Oh, I think I would, man. but they never say that publicly. That that's you can't. But but to yeah. the wife, you're like, ah, fuck this guy. Right. His name comes up. Rice comes with more records in the San Francisco book than it does like on a. Japanese restaurant menu. You know, it's <laughs> actually when I saw this, I remembered the old joke <laughs> that when they were talking about having an NFL game in China, it was like, you know, the fun thing about uh, football in China, every game comes with Jerry Rice. <laughs> There's a new Rice, right? Is there, was he one of the on the? Is he on Kansas City? He's okay. he's to be drafted this year. He's he's like the fifteenth best quarter uh, wide receiver prospect in this draft coming up. By the way, Mr. Irrelevant. That's Mr. Irrelevant. That's that's uh, Purdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you said that, I was like, Mr. Irrelevant. That's actually a sitcom I'm writing about my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I can very much relate to that sentiment. It's the gut laughter. Yes. Well, Tom Simmons, it's always good to talk to you. Excuse me. Um, It's good to be here. uh, Oh. I went, I went and I listened to a few of your uh, podcasts. I love them, but you got to tell the people where to find it because you can't get it on a regular podcast platform. You got to go to YouTube. Oh, you can't get it on a regular platform. I, I couldn't find it and neither could my mom. We, we discussed it and we couldn't find it on them. So you tell us huh. what's the best way for people to find you. Uh, YouTube. It's a, uh, it's, it's a little bit hard to find. It's under the creative businessman page on YouTube, but I'm sure you, I just, when I go, I type in, uh, dumbest Tom in the room, and then it'll pull up, and you can. I found it with that. Dumbest it. Tom yeah, in yeah. the room on YouTube is the answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I've, I'm, yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I'm glad to hear. I'd, I'd like to talk to you off air about what you watched and stuff because I'm. Yeah, still, I liked it a lot. I've been it's doing very, it forever, and I'm just figuring it, it out. It's very slow paced and thoughtful and smart. It's cool. I like it a lot, man. Yeah. Kudos. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. So check out Tom. Funny. 
And funny. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, so I'm going to start be... adding in the funny. I'm sorry I knew it was going to be funny. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're pitching a comedy thing, maybe you should put the word slow in there. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's like a it's a real like conversation. It's not like a bunch of comics being riffy and jokey. It's like a conversation. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's like this, to be honest. Yeah. We yeah, sit yeah. down, we sort of have a thing we're going to do, and then it's like I... It's just a conversation. So it gets a little scattered here and there, but I got a great guy that sort of the producer of it sort of cuts some of that out and makes it into a show. And it's, and, uh, it, you know, I just feel like, I just feel like hanging out with your friends and talking or hanging out with people and being interested in what they have to say. The comedy generates itself organically. And to me, that's the, and then it's about finding those cuts in, in it. You know what I mean? Cause that's the most, that's where it's the most real to me and the most fun. It's like what we were talking about, about Lewis black and the emotion of it. Like in those yeah. moments, you really create sparks that are genuine and fun. I agree. And to me, that's the, that's the, that's the beauty of this medium because you have the space to do that. You know, if you're doing TV, it's like four and a half minutes, say your thing, plug goodbye, you know, and radio also has some of that same, like, hurry up, don't leave any spaces kind of vibe. And podcasting is very much about space. You can really like hang and talk for a while. Yeah, I'd like to squish it down and combine it a little bit and make it like you'd have come these segments that help help keep it formatted and help you force into some of that. So I, I I'm I'm getting there. So, but thanks. Yeah, for that's cool, man. I love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Love you too, man. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. We shall discuss uh, more things next week. Uh, do a little Super Bowl. Uh, okay. Shout out, Ron. Oh yeah, uh, Ron I made it in. He had an eye appointment today. He made it in. Okay. I good. don't know if he did or not. That'd be the first time I haven't seen him on here. So. When you have a small number of fans, you can keep up with their eye appointments. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.